when I first got into agriculture, I was talking to a farmer and he was like, oh, I just, I run all green. And I was like, cool. I don't know what that means. And I just like, <laughs> I nodded along because I was like, but the way he said it, it was like, you know, as common as like sort of the sky is blue. And I was just like, oh yeah, totally. Right. Green. Found out well after the fact he meant John Deere. Right. And it was like, he just needed to like get that information out there. It's like when you meet someone who does CrossFit, they're like, hi, I'm Trevor. And I do CrossFit. Like, yes, <laughs> that's how they do it. It's like, hi, I'm Trevor. And I, I have John Deere equipment. Welcome to Muttering Pines, the show where us city folk try to cowpoke. We drink beer, talk about ATVs, life outside the city, homesteading, entrepreneurship, and ultimately trying to do stuff with our hands. Hey, boys. Hi. Hi. Good to see you. This is our, this is our first episode this year. First episode back, and we have equipment now. This is no longer some Mickey Mouse shit. <laughs> I mean, does my voice about. sound real? Yeah, it's still Mickey Mouse shit, but we just all probably sound similar because we've purchased what we should have done in the first place, which is microphones. Who would have thought? You'd think we would have figured out that microphones are integral to recording a podcast instead of just spending the last 15 episodes talking into red solo cups, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is pretty much what happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. And Listening after the second, any of those, yeah, we also need to learn how to talk one, first. I just gave up editing sound. Fuck off. Already off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, but so, we do have a guest. Right. So we can even though guest. we did 15 episodes last year, people still want to come on this podcast. Mm. Well, I think the key is like they don't really do the research, do they? That's true. They were just bored when they said yes. That's also possible. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, like we're, we're kicking off this year with somebody, uh, who's in like a field. What's he do? Like a reputable professional field. No, that's not yeah. us. Oh, no, I know <laughs> yeah, we should... we're not the fucking guests. No. <laughs> we should cut this episode. We can't have reputable people yeah. out here. We'll ruin right. things yeah. for them. Thanks Bunch for listening to our first episode. 18 <laughs> seconds long. Uh, well, tonight tonight's guest is uh, an old friend of mine. His name is uh, is Trevor Back, and he is back. it or is it Bach? Uh, oh, well, is Back. Well, we'll have to ask him and find out. I don't actually know because his company's called Back Forty Communications, but his last name's real French looking. It would be really so weird if his, I always thought it was Bach. if his last name wasn't Back, but his company name was Back Forty. Let's go with back. That would be pretty weird. What yeah. if it's like Bakui? Yeah. Bakui? <laughs> well, I hope it is. Bakui 40. No. Because then I have like 40. at least a half dozen conversations about, yeah. About his Glenn's not here yet. <laughs> hear all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. Yeah. He'll so find Trevor out is Trevor is a journalist and he uh, specializes in, in rural and agriculture. And uh, he's written some pretty interesting stuff and sort of like interesting to us because we like equipment and outdoors and cattle and fields and grain and all of that sort of stuff. But he's, you know, he's out there actually interviewing people. He's, he's um, doing it for real. Not doing it for real. Talking to people who do it for real, not just us jamokes. 
<laughs> yeah, but he's found really interesting people out there. Like the last story he wrote about Andy Clean, this this Andy Clean guy is really interesting. And so I think I like Trevor's perspective on rural because it's not normal city redneck perspective on on rural life like we have. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually out there in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that we have someone to kick it off with. I'm excited that somebody with actual knowledge, uh, it's going to be good. And look at that. Uh, just like, cause he's a journalist, he's punctual and he's, he is here now. So this is fucking sweet. Let's, let's start keep... apologizing to him right away. Uh... <laughs> let's make him instantly regret his choices. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this, so this is a guest where my, my asking him involved the phrase, I don't know if you remember me, but and so, so that's that's the kind of guest we have with with Trevor. I don't know if you remember me, but I I feel like actually Scott, you have like more color in your beard since I saw you last. I feel like you were all white, and now you're like going back in time or something. Yeah, it's just spilled Button? coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking coffee stains. It's white as snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just dirty. It's just a nicotine, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's funny. The last time you saw me, I still smoked. I don't smoke anymore. Oh, okay. How, how yeah. long have you been off the... So, that's what cancer recession looks like right there. Is yeah. the beard <laughs> come back. He's coming back. Comes back color. Yeah, you lose all your hair, but it comes back color. It's amazing. Uh, so this Aww. is a good way for us to figure out how long ago it was that, that you and I saw each other. Because we saw each other at it was Lucas's that, house. That Sled Island thing, which uh, right. 2018. Right. Okay. So that, yeah. And I, yeah, I definitely still smoke that. So, yeah. Wow. There yeah, you go. so that's how long it's been since we saw each other. Congratulations. But I was telling these guys a story about you before you came on. Um, oh, boy. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but you and me and uh, some of our mutual friends were out in Okotoks at, oh, a, at a party. Or was it Okotoks? No, maybe it wasn't Okotoks. It was a different time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. what you say. <laughs> yeah. You gave me a lift home, and you had just bought this car from somebody... Like that either your family knew or something. It was like an Oldsmobile and it was like, it was old. It was like the most vintage, but it, it was like, it had never been driven. Like it was mint condition. Mm -hmm. Yes. That, oh, that's one of the saddest. That's one of, that was my favorite car and I had it for four months. Uh, It was a 19. You're hard on cars. 1988. (laughs) Uh, I had a Dodge Shadow for ten years, and it's like the it's like the cooler cousin of the Dodge Shadow, but I can't remember what it's called. Anyways, my old neighbor, his hobby was buying cheap cars, or like buying them from auction, fixing them up, and then just like giving them to people. And that's quite the nice, hobby. He was the nicest guy ever, and so he he sold me that car, Scott, for a buck. Um, that's he, he, what it was. He was like yeah. Merry Christmas because my other car had just died. And uh, anyways, but yeah, four months later, that thing got stolen right out of my driveway <laughs> by him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because because he sold it to you for a dollar, and it was He's amazing. like, wait a minute, thought I had a couple more zeros on that. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Matt, yeah. didn't you have an eighty-something Oldsmobile? Uh, it was a. 86 old Cutlass 
Supreme, I think, and I had nice. it for like three months. Yeah. Also oh, God, stolen? No, it was such a piece of shit, it just went away. <laughs> just I'm, disappeared from under you while driving? Yeah, it was It was basically, I couldn't register it. It was. It needed to just leave, so yeah, it was 300 bucks well, out the door. I remember We're, you tried to twist a few on my street and ended up on the neighbor's lawn, and they like looked out. Uh, like up from the dinner table out the big bay window and we're like, <laughs> Matt's old wheel is like three quarters up their lawn and it was like a graded lawn and it was like Fuck. <laughs> yeah well they never came out to say anything so we just left uh, or we just left quick. in a hurry <laughs> yeah the the family so, was staring at us through their front window as we're oh, backing man. off their their lawn yeah we, we've all been there we were young it was weeks ago yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trevor, I don't know if you did yourself the disservice of listening to any of our other episodes before you climbed on here. I, I spent a few minutes, yeah. Right on. We usually start off, and I heard I heard the little right before we hit record, we usually start off with a little cheers and just uh, tell everyone and nobody. We tell nobody what we are uh, what we're drinking tonight. So <laughs> you may start, guys. Oh, Canada Dry. Because of how I, my immense head cold, my five hundred pound head. Yes, this is uh, <laughs> this is my medicine. So <laughs> you know what? Scott was drinking ginger ale and he didn't have a head cold. So that's usually what I drink. Yeah. Tonight, yeah. There you go. Tonight I have something different. I, tonight There's brought... nothing wrong with that if you have a head cold. <laughs> yeah. Scott and drugs. Are you also doing drugs? Uh, I I may have to later to, to yeah, get through the night. We'll see. Yeah, that's how I feel. Ibuprofen is still a drug. Yeah, uh, far, oh, far far pills, pills for me today. Yeah, yoking. Okay. boy. I got <laughs> uh, I got the old standard PBRs because they're cheap. Mm -hmm. Speaking of cheap, I've upgraded or sidegraded. Oh. I like to call it. You know what I got going on today, boys? PC Pilsner. Uh, PC. Oh, delicious. I don't yeah. care who you are. Yeah. I was talking to a guy and, at work about that. He's like, actually, they're really good. Yeah. And you know what? Hayden, they're better than the co-op ones you recommended. <laughs> you really, you're still mad about this co-op gold lager not being as good as, as our friend let on. And I think, I think maybe we need the to talk brewery. And he said yeah, it was good. Right. And they tasted right. like feet. You tasted them. That's uh, Toolshed brews uh, those ones, I believe. Oh, do they? They, they brew them on contract for them. Hmm. Hmm. Which isn't to well, say anything of Toolshed's beer quality because it's a little now higher we have than that. But. Two different brands of beer we won't be having on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Toolshed. <laughs> I'm sure this will be devastating to their sales. Devastating. Yeah. 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 Um, we were having a bit of a debate, and this ties in with what Scott said earlier about how his reaching out to you was like, I don't know if you remember me. But. <laughs> but. Okay. Usually we like to do a little bit of research. Yep. Oh. He went oh, away. We lost Aaron. I think. Oh, he's back. Why did you go? No, you oh, lost. God, but your sound is all buggered now. What do you mean? Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, your microphone you know, cut we out. can hear you, but you're on the other, you're on your lousy mic now. No. It sounds like you're underwater. Yeah. It does. <clears throat> That's right. 
He's got the this is a, now, a highly produced show as well, so. <laughs> sorry, this is, sorry. That's okay. That's okay. I, so, Trevor, the other reason, I mean, besides the fact that you're just generally an interesting and funny guy, the, the other reason we wanted to have you on was to talk about what you're doing for work now. So you have a company, it's called, um, and this was the debate earlier, I think Darren was about to oh, bring up. I can't it's wait. Back, it's Back 40 Communications, but your last name is Bach, right? Well, you know, it is spelled B-A-C-Q-U-E. So, I mean, I've heard just about every, you know, interpretation of this under the sun, but uh, I've been told since I was a boy, it's Back. Like front to okay. Back. So okay. All right. Ten days ago, I was in Manitoba, yeah. visiting some family for the first time in a long time. And in this part of Manitoba, there are a, like a ton of of uh, Métis last names, Métis surnames, mm. and none of them get pronounced the French way. Like this is why I call Bombardier Bombardier. I realize now. <laughs> like I went. I went to visit uh, a friend of my father's and his last name. Uh, they say it Cuvalier, but it, it's definitely Cuvalier. And, and so, yeah, so you're back. You're back 40. I'm back 40. I hope you get the play on words there. Some, mm-hmm. people, some people dig it. Some people are like, that's a stupid business name. That's but, not a stupid business name. No, I'm... I, that's what I think. That was that was why I went in. So yeah, uh, what can I tell you? I'm I'm a I'm an agricultural consultant, media. Like my background is journalism, communications, the media biz, and so I've been I've been playing in the the big sandbox of agriculture now for this is my eleventh year specifically in agriculture and i've been consulting on my own now for about five and a half and uh see no reason to climb out of the rabbit hole yet yeah i so i've been enjoying the the articles you've been writing about about some of the folks like out you know doing work in rural areas right now like the andy clean one that you did recently was really interesting Mm -hmm. um and so like what what you so you went to school to be a journalist what made you decide that you were going to go and work and and write out there because like i can from experience working in advertising rural communities are the least researched least considered audiences that roll across our desks like i i've never never really seen a good study of rural communities in in north america for for any sort of media purpose ever in in 20 years of working in in digital marketing and so when i saw you doing this it was really interesting to me because i think what what we tend to do in our line of work is we take city people and we slow down their internet and say that's rural but i don't think that's right and so i want to hear from you what what you think it's like and like what you've been seeing oh man i think you asked like 32 questions there yeah um darren will edit it down to one and you're going to sound super smart after so don't worry about it I'll just wax poetic and you just interject. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when I started, when I graduated from school, believe me, if you would have told me this would be my life right now, I would have laughed or gagged or both um, because it just sounded ridiculous, right? Like I'm, I'm a city kid. Like I'm from Calgary. 
my grandma is from a farm and that's about it. Right. And she moved off the farm before I was born. So I've got no connection to, to really to rural communities, but, uh, I started working at a rural newspaper because jobs are hard to find, uh, when I got out of school and, um, you know, I had, I had to write a few articles here and there about farming, which I actually hated. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. Farmers seemed like weird people. Um, I yes. didn't know what I didn't know, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, fast forward one day, um, just tired of making no money at, uh, my newspaper. And so took a, took a random job at an agriculture company. And my mindset was, and literally anything is better than working, you know, for my boss right now. So pulled the shoot and uh, came to this agriculture company. And believe me, I, you know, if I thought I was out of my element at the newspaper, it was like, all you guys talk about is farming, like, holy crap. Um, but then it just sort of became very interesting, right? Like I'm, I'm just a curious guy. And so when I hear 500 new terms being thrown at me, you know, I just pull out the dictionary and start researching these words and kind of figuring out what it was. And really it, it is sort of that, uh, illustration of like just going down the rabbit hole. And I lost daylight a long time ago. Um, but it, it's fascinating. Scott, aren't you from a farm? Weren't you? Or I have, a, a I, yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, I'm from a small town. I have a lot of family that okay. are like in rural communities that work in ag. They have, you know, many thousands of acres that they manage. So, yeah. so I like, I, I get it through family channels that way, but I like, by no means do I know anything about it. Like it all okay. seems, it seems like space to me. Like it's the technology in that industry is second only to space faring. Oh, things, totally. Like NASA. And, it's unbelievable. And Darren and Matt, are you guys from farms? I've, uh, so I grew up on a farm and okay. I live in the city full time. But when I was younger, um, I work on the family farm and stuff, mm -hmm. but not, uh, not so much, uh, farming as ranching, but, uh, we did silage and stuff. Mm -hmm. And our, you, our, our equipment was all garbage. So, <laughs> um, uh, no, I did not grow up on a farm. I grew up in the city. Uh, I have a lot of relatives that I don't know. that are all farmers around Calgary, Alberta. Um, but only recently in my advanced age, have I started getting extremely interested in ranching and agriculture and just not being in the fucking city anymore. Well, so. yeah. And, and like, this is, this is just my point. Like it's, I mean, like I said, I didn't grow up on a farm or anywhere near a farm, but then it's like, once you get out there just in the middle of the sticks, you're like, wow, this is so awesome. <laughs> Says like, no farmer's kid ever. That's, yes. This is the thing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I just did a story this week about first generation farmers, like people who are not from farming backgrounds who got into farming. And it's so interesting because most of the people I talk to are farmers who, you know, they're in the fourth or fifth generation of a family farm. Right. And then you're talking to these people who are like, I grew up in Vancouver and I hated it. So now I'm a bison farmer. Right. And it's like, 
It's just so interesting to hear people's perspective because I think, I think that's the thing. You get anybody outside the city and you just show them wide open space and it's like, wow, this you is so rad. As a farm kid, I assume you probably don't know what you have until you don't have it, right? I think yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> And also bison farming. <laughs> Coming from wow. Vancouver, like, oh, what, what's, what's the hardest fucking, like, what's the most expensive animal I could put on my land? Oh, bison. Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah but I'm, from, I'm from Vancouver, so I'm rich. It's no big deal. Yeah. What, do you, what yeah, kind of fence do you need for that? All of it? Like the biggest? Half as lethal <laughs> as any one homeless person on East Hastings. So. <laughs> and twice as alive. <laughs> uh, Even when you eat them. Oh, terrible. I have some kids that are growing up in my family that have the option to stay on the farm, and they are just leaving as quick as possible. They're going to town. They're doing other things. And I just think it's so opposite where if you lived in the city and do shit like we do, you see that lifestyle and it's no, I, I, even if your life is shit out there, it's better, better than here. And it's always greener, right? Yeah. 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 I suppose that's it. But but Trevor crossed the fence and it looks like he was correct and we were all wrong. So, so there's that. But you live in the country now, Trevor, or you... you live in the country too, right? No, I don't. Oh, I thought you did. Oh, no, okay. boy, would boy would that be nice? Uh, me, <laughs> me and the family. Suck. Yeah, yeah. As, as I still gladly have a Calgary postal code. Yeah, we still live in the city, and uh, but I feel like I'm halfway there because my work is rural. So really, I just need to take that next step, and then you know I'll be golden. Get mm-hmm. Starlink, and then you know, yeah. no more yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a huge service where Starlink is now putting those rural properties on high speed, an actual usable high speed. Oh, yeah. I, I see farmers all the time uh, posting their speed tests from, you know, their ExploreNet, which is like the equivalent of like roasting a marshmallow with a rock in the Stone Ages, and then yeah. they show their speed test from Starlink, and it's like better than mine in the middle yeah. of the city. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, yeah, first of all, the speed test completed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it yeah. on ExploreNet. <laughs> so totally. way, they're way still faster. running it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's I, I, well, it's, Oh, go ahead. I have a friend that has Starlink outside of town, in just outside of Airdrie, mm-hmm. and uh, his his job is like heavy duty internet use, com- even compared to the the rest of us, mm. and and it is flawless for him. I'm surprised how good it is right out of the box, but from what I've heard anyway. Well, and a big thing for farmers is that, and this probably won't be news to you guys, but it would be for maybe other city folks who don't know ag is like the machines that these farmers use, like they're computers, but they have four big wheels. Like really, (laughs) they're just moving computers and the, uh, some of the software updates you have to do, like, good luck doing that on your internet connection out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a huge issue. So I honestly think things like Starlink, I mean, there wouldn't be any price some farmers wouldn't pay because it's actually letting them work again. Can we talk a little bit about that, Trevor? Because this is my experience, like, with family and like the couple of times that I've worked in ag in my career, mm-hmm. equipment, and, and this is another reason we wanted to have you on the show. Equipment is what what we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is 
which machine does what, how many horsepower, does it have the right optics? Like the equipment is a way of life out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, People get like logos on their headstones when they die. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit about, tell us a little bit about that experience for you, because there's a lot of jargon in that space, but it's addicting to talk about like we, like we, the way we talk about quads and stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, brand loyalty, like, and you know, people in the city are so fickle compared to people. I mean, if you want to make a very sweeping statement, like people in rural communities, like they have their brands, especially when it comes to machinery and like the price tag, you know, kind of irrelevant to some people because it's like, I'm a John Deere guy. I'm a, I'm a case guy. I'm a new Holland guy, whatever. Right. And it's like, you, you don't want to switch over because lots of machines also don't communicate with other machines. So it's also a bit of like, well, if I switched over all my equipment, that might cost me like $3 million. Right. So I'm kind of pot committed a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. totally. (laughs) Right. But it, it, it is incredible how the loyalty to companies runs, uh, how deep it runs. Um, even if sometimes, people might not even love the product. It's one of those things where it's just like, well, it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's very interesting for sure. Would you say it even exceeds that of like the Ford Chevy Dodge loyalty rivalry? It's, it's, it is completely on par with that. Right. Like, I mean, it's the way like every 20 year old has to have like the newest iPhone. It's like, and you know, that actually probably is a pretty serious brand loyalty, but yeah, same. It's like they would, you know, they might not even get into their neighbor's Chevy truck because they're, yeah. you know, they drive Dodges, <laughs> right? Like whatever. Well, yeah, I'm not it's... going to that farm. That's an orange farm. Totally. Right. We don't yeah. fuck with orange in our family. <laughs> when I first got into agriculture, I was talking to a farmer and he was like, oh, I just, I run all green. And I was like, cool. I don't yeah. know what that means. And I just like, I nodded along because I was like, I can't look. Are you farming grass? Yeah. (laughs) But the way he said it, it was like, you know, as common as like sort of the sky is blue. And I was just like, oh yeah, totally. Right. Green. Love it. Yeah. My favorite color too. And then found out well after the fact he meant John Deere. Right. And it was like, he just needed to like get that information out there. It's like when you meet someone who does CrossFit, they're like, hi, I'm Trevor and I do CrossFit. Like, yes, yeah. that's how they do it. It's like, hi, I'm Trevor and I, I have John Deere equipment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I have family that, um, when they drive past a field, if there's equipment operating and it's not John Deere, they'll say, oh, those tractors are the wrong color. That's that's their way of showing their disapproval. All yeah. these tractors are the wrong color. Why? Because yeah. they can. Those people can afford them. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they're just financing it. They're not affording it. Mm-hmm. The, the brand new John Deere's newest combine is called the X9, and it's a million dollars. Right. And, You'll make and that sh- back. No problem. Well, why shouldn't it be a million dollars? Right. Like considering yeah. what it's capable of. Oh yeah. It's, it's unbelievable it's, though. I think it's, I uh, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it's the most expensive combine you can buy. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a mill. Yeah. And they're still probably unavailable for back orders. Yeah. Like just, yeah. Sold. So do you know, like offhand, just to get a little nerdy, why it's a million, like what are the, what makes it a million? 
It's well, John Deere. It kind of like Apple, where it's like, yeah, because we have the little Apple on it, we can charge you fifty percent more for this same device, right? I right. I really do think of all the agricultural brands, John Deere has that cachet, and people will pay for it. Right. I mean, it's an amazing machine. It's got such an incredible amount of power and capability. Uh, just what it can do for you at harvest. Like it is a truly amazing machine, but some of the prices are a little kooky, I must admit. But to your point, Darren, like you do make it back, but it's it's certainly like, you know, you still gotta have some amount of money to even get your foot in the door just to say, <laughs> I'm in debt because of this machine, right? Yeah, totally. that, you, you mentioned like, people moving from Vancouver to do bison farming or something like that. And I, you know, it, and we've seen, you know, like there's YouTube channels about people that move to the country and do that kind of stuff. But like the entry, the price of entry for farming, for real farming, like where mm -hmm. you're going to produce and drag stuff by the bushel to the elevator and sell it and get it graded and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like the price of entry to that is way more than most people could bear. It's, it's almost, <clears throat> it's like, it's almost, impossible to even talk like you know farms aren't for sale do you know what i mean mm -hmm. like and for the most part they don't if if someone was going to sell a farm it doesn't even it doesn't make like a real estate website it's like you know matt if you're my neighbor i just call you and i'm like hey i'm thinking of cashing out do you want to buy my land yes mm -hmm. and you just say yes or if you don't i just go to darren and then Scott, yes. like eventually someone will get it, right? Right. But it's, yeah, like the, the, to say it's a barrier to entry is an understatement, right? Like if you think about what you would need, even if you bought all used equipment, you know, you bought a decent used tractor, a combine, even if you started sharing equipment like a sprayer, different things like that, you're already into it for a million dollars, like immediately, <laughs> if not more. And then the input costs, like, I don't know if you guys have been following how crazy fertilizer prices are. We, we, we've heard from we have been, and we've and talked about it, but we don't really, like, yeah, we, we've it's... heard about it from people in the areas where we own property, but we don't really know what, like, that much about it. Maybe you can talk about that a bit, because it's... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's your most expensive input, right? If you don't have fertilizer, mm -hmm. not much is going to happen. A couple of years ago, fertilizer in Western Canada, you know, urea fertilizer, like $400 a ton-ish, somewhere in there, four to $500 a ton. This past year, it was triple that. Like it got to, I think the highest I remember seeing was over $1,300 a ton. Fucking hell. Wow. So like, um, I was talking with a farmer, a friend of mine, she farms up by uh, Bonneville and, uh, so her fertilizer bill in her fertilizer bill last year was 350,000 for her sort of regular and she, like a regular size farm, like about 5,000 acres, 350,000 for the fertilizer. The next year after the prices went crazy, her fertilizer bill was $700,000. So it just doubled in a year. It just doubled. And so she actually had to essentially order a slightly lower quality fertilizer because it was like exceeding mm -hmm. her budget. And what what but, was she um, what was she growing that year? 
Nothing out of the ordinary. Canola, wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a like? Was the price of the crop that year double what it was the year before? If she was selling canola by the bushel. Some of the commodity prices have gone to all-time highs, um, but they weren't necessarily at all-time highs when people were having to buy their inputs for the following crop year. Right. Um, and so, you know, you can really go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole of, you know, commodity prices and input prices mm-hmm. and how those sort of rise and fall with each other and stuff. But, I mean, the fact well, I- is... I, wait, Trevor. I don't. I don't know about this at all. There's oh. <laughs> conspiracy-minded shit around this. What is that about? In rural Alberta, I don't believe. No, it. there's no conspiracies in rural Alberta. <laughs> really, just the idea that, that uh, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about either. Um, really, just the idea that um, the companies that sell inputs to the farmers, like they're obviously aware of what commodity prices are, and oh. so they just. You know, it's it's like, you know, what's that highest like level I can get to without you not Going buying over. this? Right, right. Prices, prices, right. Pricing theory. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. And so mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's interesting that commodity prices are at all time highs for farmers, which should be good news. But then you also realize certain inputs are also at all time highs as well, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Well, we're no like you know farmers. I've talked to farmers who are upset because it's just like the feeling of like I can never get ahead. Um, okay. You know because canola was over twenty dollars a bushel, more than that actually. I think it passed it past twenty five. <laughs> but then all of a sudden it's like you know a bag of canola seeds a thousand dollars. Like it's you know it's <laughs> unbelievable what it costs <laughs> to even grow the stinking crop in the first place. Like right. the, the amount of risks farmers uh, risk that farmers shoulder, like it makes me ill sometimes talking and interviewing these uh, men and women because I'm like, you know, it's nothing we don't know, but you really think about it and you're like, okay, so you just like went 700,000 in the hole, like buying all your inputs this year, or maybe like well over a million dollars in the hole for your seed and your fertilizer and chemicals and things like that. And then you hope you, you know, produce a good crop and then yeah, the, and, and you, you get hope, a yield to match. Yeah. And you hope that the market is good and you hope that, you know, the Canadian government hasn't flubbed uh, internationally and China hasn't shut down its borders to canola exports like we saw recently in the last 18 months. Like things like that where it's like, hey, great, we have a crop. Oh, shoot, we arrested the Huawei CFO. So now China's not going to buy our canola. <laughs> You know, right. Oh, right. great. Yeah. Now what do I do? I've got millions of bushels of canola. Oh, boy. Maybe well, living yeah. in the city isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those dead bodies are starting to look a lot less right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still familiar, though, eh, Matt? Like, you just said, you know, things don't go right, and you end up with, like, 800 pounds of honey. Yeah, I don't know what happens. <laughs> just it was, it was a bad year. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does feel a bit rigged, though. Doesn't doesn't it, Trevor? Like it just the way you describe it, like conspiracy yeah. or not, you just like any person who can use functioning logic. So probably just you on this call is like, yeah, that doesn't matter. That's up. true. Yeah, like, and you know the the I've, people have hot takes in rural communities about you know how to market your grain properly and this and that and stuff. But right, I mean, 
at the end of the day, a lot of people are content to, you know, just grow it and drag it to the elevator and, and do it that way. You, I mean, you have to have the economies of scale of a farm if you want to really start having marketing autonomy. And a part of that is having enough storage on your farm, right? Because if yeah. you don't have enough storage, you pretty much are at the mercy of the grain company. You have to mm-hmm. be a price taker. So that's been a recent kind of revelation is that farmers are slowly but surely building up more on-farm storage capacity because you can store the grain for years on your farm. Yeah. And if you have that ability, you can then wait for a good price as opposed to, oh, shoot, I literally ran out of space at my farm. I have to sell it for whatever the price is to Yeah. If you have the money and you know that, you know, your farm's a certain size and scale, you're growing whatever crops, you sort of have projections of your yields, right? You're going to know unless it gets hailed out. Okay, I'll probably get X number of bushels, you know, combined. Do I have the storage space for that? And then you, you sort of just math it out like, well, is it better for me to just sell it off the combine, uh, so to say? Or is it better to actually take the hit and invest in these bins and, mm-hmm. you know, start slowly buying it back. Right. It's like, think about it. Like the way, you know, you, Oh, should I put a solar panel on my house? Like what's the buyback on this? Eventually it's going to work in my favor, but how many years, you know, that kind right. of, thing. it's, it's no different kind of than that idea. Um, but I think in the long run, if you have the ability to sit on something and say, no, I'm not going to sell it for this price. I'd be a fool to do that. I think mm-hmm. anytime you can be in the driver's seat making those kind of decisions, that yeah. that's when you meet a farmer who's profitable. You know, you don't meet too many broke farmers. You just meet farmers who are profitable. Like the farmers <laughs> who are broke just go away. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the reality, right? You just, yeah. unless you got, you know, a hobby farm, right? That's, that's, you sort of just, have to reduce yourself to that level i think so you, are you saying like it's not realistic for me to move from vancouver and start a hobby canola farm on like 13 acres of canola <laughs> yeah. field, i'm gonna strike it rich in berta planted yeah. by hands i mean planted with my bushel yield yeah. yeah i think you would do that like that's almost like for love of the game territory do you know what i mean if you want yeah. and like people do that you know, like, uh, I think of the folks out at Eau Claire Distillery in Turner Valley. Like, you know, they make all these fantastic spirits and stuff. Um, they they grow their barley and they, like, they harvest it with a horse. Like, they, they do, it's it's just, it's small on purpose, right? Like, it's it's a niche thing. And Can you it's hook all us up with those guys? I want to talk to them. I just yeah, might no be kidding. able to. They're, they're awesome nice. guys. And they, they invite everyone out for a community harvest. And, but it's like it's a completely different feel, right? Like it's not a commercial farm. You right. know? This interview only took 25 minutes to pay off. Jack <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, it's so like for the love of the game, yeah. Like you're doing it just to stifle your Yellowstone, ere- your Yellowstone erection, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come over here and get a little bit of canola and six bison and yeah, run live off the lands. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Kevin Costner. <laughs> got a couple questions for you. Yes. Um, and they're vastly different. So I'm going to pick one, and hopefully I don't lose the other one due to 
my increasing uh, intake of alcohol in advanced age. Um, where do I want to start? See, I've already forgotten one. Um, advanced so, age so, check. <laughs> where am I? <laughs> what um, alcohol check too? <laughs> When we were, uh, when we, when you were talking about like barrier to entry being high and, you know, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. have you, and, and coincidentally, I, I believe we're recording this on the actual drop date of season two for uh, the show. Have you seen Clarkson's Farm? Uh, you know, I've seen some clips on YouTube. Like I haven't watched, uh, the, like the entire season or anything like that. But I, I've seen some clips and I I follow his tweets and I see the hijinks he gets up to. Yeah. So I was just, okay. I'm going to ask it anyway, even though I haven't seen it. But I was, I was, the point was I was looking to hopefully get your take on like, obviously there's stuff in there for, you know, making a good show. But mm-hmm. um, like he's got his, not his land man, but like his agricultural manager, like his bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. But he's doing things like starting from scratch with like goats and planting, and he has to buy secondhand equipment. And he bought a fucking Lamborghini tractor. Like, at, like at what point is that like just being grossly over budget for the show versus like no, that's pretty much kind of like what you got to do when you're farming. Like you get. You know, if you're a newbie, you get half into it, and you're like, "Oh fuck, I need a, I don't know, whatever machine," and then you got to go spend like a hundred k that you weren't thinking of, and at the end, you've made a dollar an hour or less. Yeah, honestly, um, I mean, like that million bucks, you could have just gone and fucking got a Tim Hortons franchise, high interest savings account, just be swimming in yeah. in mm-hmm. coin, other than in making doubles. Like, Swimming in double doubles. You know, I think, like, there's probably some stuff in there that's kind of, like, made for TV. And, Mm. you know, Clarkson would be an exception because he already has money. So, like... Yeah, like, the last thing he said on the first season, he's like, what do the real farmers do? Because I think they came out, like, you made, like, 100 pounds profit. And right. he's like, but what do actual farmers who don't have, like, Amazon film crews and who wants to be a millionaire to top up their bank accounts? Because it sounded like a lot of it they were using, and this is in the U.K., obviously, but uh, they were using government grants to get a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff back and subsidies and incentives. Mm-hmm. And obviously with, you know, the way things go, like, those can either increase or probably decrease as years go on. Yeah. So, like, is that something Canada farming people, there goes the English, as I'm talking to the journalist, I think I know what you're getting at, and, and like, really, like, thanks. I've, you know, I've talked to I've talked to people who want to get into farming, and they go to a bank, and they're like, "Hey, I need," you know, they ask for whatever, you know, probably half a mil, a mil, who knows? And the bank's like, "What's your plan?" And they're like, "I'm going to go farming," and they're like, "This meeting is over," and yeah. <laughs> um, because it's like. You have no experience farming. Uh, we're going to take all the risk, and you're just hoping it's awesome. Like, there, you, I've talked to enough farmers, and they tell me they just get laughed out of the room. And it's like, no, why would we ever go into business with you, you poor soul? You know, so mm-hmm. a lot of people who want to get into farming, they come into it cash rich. 
Yeah. Because they have no other choice. Because hmm. it's like, oh, I need to get a tractor for this farm that I want to do. And it's like, again, you know, a bank might say no. So then you have to have the money to buy the tractor, like from someone secondhand or at auction or whatever. But you, you pretty much have to buy it. Like you got to have the $40,000 or whatever it might cost, right? Like, so you got to have a lot of cash on hand. Um, I probably pay a few people to work for you that know what the fuck they're doing. You mm-hmm. know, you would like that, but most of the people I've spoken to, they can't even afford to hire someone minimum wage to do grunt work. Like, really? And that's just the reality is that you, as you kind of said, you know, you work so many hours and if you do the math, it's embarrassing because you're probably making like a dollar an hour. Um, but you get to say, Hey, I'm farming. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's just the reality. Um, the, the people who I've spoken to who didn't come from farming and got into farming, it is 100% a labor of love. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're not tracking their hours on a spreadsheet because one, that's depressing. And two, <laughs> it's like, I've got, you know, or they're looking at job it. That's yeah. But they're like, I've got a 20 year plan. I've got a 30 year plan. Like this isn't something I'm looking for like a three year payback on. Right. Yeah. But, you know, the off-farm jobs are a reality for lots of, even even people who have been in, like, they've essentially been, the farm's been passed down to them, they bought out their parents or whatever. Lots of those people I talked to that would be, like, in their 60s, they have off-farm jobs, they've had off-farm jobs their whole career. Mm-hmm. And they have a job where their employer understands that, okay, when I got to put the crop in, like, I'm not really going to be around. Okay, yeah. that's fine. You know, we'll see you in a month. And, you know, they've yeah. got these periods. And often they work for agriculture companies because agricultural companies understand how the farming game mm-hmm. works, right? But it's it's really tough sometimes to shed the off-farm job and make that leap full-time, right? It's the chicken and egg. It's like, okay, I need to work the off-farm job so I can afford the farm. But I have to farm in order to make the farm work and be profitable but ah shoot i have to work my job because <laughs> i need the farm to be you know it's like this never ending mm-hmm. cycle catch, so catch 22 it's it's really tough like yeah. it's richard it's a, a a friend of the three of us that uh, lives up by the properties that that darren and i own richard richard's 77 years old keeps cattle mm-hmm. and uh every day at, I guess he leaves it around five because he does his chores between like four and five or three thirty and five, mm-hmm. and then he drives from from Winfield, Alberta, to yep. Rocky Mountain House, and then he operates a crane in a place that makes laminated like beams and floor joists and stuff like that. Yeah. And he drives yeah. all the way home and does his nighttime chores, and wow. he goes to bed and he does that all over again every single day, mm-hmm. and he's seventy seven. Yeah. And he's lived out there by himself for 25 years. His and daughter's he, grown up and moved out now. And I bet he absolutely loves it. Yeah. Loves it so much that one time he had to get hip surgery. And he was he was like, uh, hey, my hip's not working. And the doctor was like, okay, well, we'll give you a new hip. And you come back in a couple of months, we'll give you a second new hip because you need no, two no, new years. hips. It was years. It was like probably right. five years you'll have to do the other one. Yeah. And, and he was, he was like, like, no. Nope. You do them both, and they're like, we never do them both. He's like, if you don't do them both, my cattle will die. 
And they were like, okay, we're going to do them both. Like, I'm not and missing so that, did. that much work over that many years. Oh, man. Like, that's He's cowboy incredible. shit right there. Yeah. He's an incredible guy. Like, sometimes I'll be working away and I'll be like, ah, oh, this sucks. And then I'll think about Richard's life and I'm like, I better get back to work. Yeah. Keep it pretty easy. That little story kind of um, segues into my second question, which I didn't forget. Winning. <laughs> yeah, you did. You just uh, misplaced it. Well, I have now. Um, <laughs> so, like, we've been talking a lot about farming and, and you know, grain and canola and combines and all that. Um, mm -hmm. And you're an agriculture journalist. At what point, like, do you cross over or is there a crossover or a differentiation between farming, commodity versus, like, running cows? Uh, or, or is there no. that differentiation? There, there totally is. Um, the... And, and I'll say up front, I don't, I don't do a ton on the cattle and li just livestock side in general. But I guess I know enough to be dangerous. the The livestock side of the business is brutal. Like it, it makes everything we just talked about with whether you're talking about a grain farm, you know, taking on millions in debt, starting a farm from scratch. It makes all that look like a cakewalk. Like. Yeah. Every single livestock producer I've talked to, whether it's like pigs or chickens or cows, it is it is just the absolute definition of a grind. And the margins are razor thin. Like you're you're yeah. just calculating it down to the cents. Like what's the price per pound this week for beef? Like things like that. Mm -hmm. It it is it is absolutely crazy. The balls you have to have to go into livestock. As, and especially because you think about the time that we're in now where plant-based everything is being pushed hard. And I'm not slamming plant-based, but plant-based means you're not eating meat-based, kind of, right? <laughs> like that, yeah. it, you know, you that's can do both. Def, that's probably the definition. <laughs> <laughs> and so you think about even that, right? Like there's, there's big forces at play that are promoting plant-based diet and lifestyle more sure. than, more than eating red meat. And, and you have to contend with that in addition to just the fact that it's so stinking expensive to raise these right. animals. Like I'll give you an example. I mean, um, it was the 2021 when the, the heat dome remember and like everyone basically yeah. died cause it was like. 40 degrees for a month um, in the in the city it was great it was no problem oh. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> man, nothing bad the, happened that was when like south right like vulcan like where your dad was like they just they had no crops it was yeah, just like it, it oh, cooked them right off yeah but so, so that caused a feed supply shortage <laughs> yeah. because down south it's lovingly referred to as feedlot alley because that's where most of the cows are in Alberta and Canada has the largest cow herd. Uh, Alberta has the largest cow herd in Canada. And so the, the feeders, the cattle feeders, they obviously have to buy the feed and barley mm -hmm. more than doubled in price. So you think about what your bill might be. You got to buy barley. Maybe it's $4, 425 a bushel. All of a sudden, it's nine dollars a bushel. Yeah. So your mm -hmm. cost of doing business in like a six-week span 
more than increased by a hundred percent. Like imagine if your mortgage payment went up 110% the next mm-hmm. month. And then it just, and it was like at that rate indefinitely. Right. Like, <laughs> That's just what yeah. it was. This is the new normal. And it's yeah. like, you know, it's like you're, you're You'd be buying a bison farm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, it's like your friend. It's like, if I, if you don't do this, like the cattle die. If I don't buy right. this food, the cat, the, the feed, the cattle dies. You have no choice, right? So, mm-hmm. it's it's just unbelievable the the gumption you have to have to go into livestock. So, like, yes, it is all agriculture because it's not like, I mean, livestock producers also grow their own feedstocks and silage and whatever else, but then they also have to buy it. Like, it's it's all interconnected, but livestock is. So so different. It's unbelievable. Well, actually, uh, uh, a friend of ours up, um, she was actually a realtor for both Scott and I. Yeah. Talking to her, and they run about 200 head normally. Mm-hmm. And they have their, like, the, just like you said, they 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 um, plant and harvest their own hay for the herd. Mm-hmm. And she said this year, because I asked her, I called her up and I was like, hey, like when it got really fucking cold, I was like, are you guys surviving the cold and everything? She's like, just, she's like, we got our cows off to auction. I'm like, that's weird. Like, you don't, you normally don't put them to auction in beginning of winter, late fall. Like, that's like a, you know, springtime thing. And she's like, yeah. She's like, so the cost of our fertilizer went up $13,000. And uh, we just, it would, it would, she said something, it was, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it was a ridiculous amount, like 700 to $900 a day to keep the herd over winter. Yeah. Or they just fucking auction them off early. And she's like, we'll yeah. just buy new. They kept mm-hmm. like 20, 20 heifers. And she's like, we'll just buy new so pairs in the spring. And I'm like, that's not right. economical. Like, so because the cost of fertilizer, which you already brought up, Mm-hmm. earlier has gone up they basically had to sell i'm assuming her cows for probably maybe not half the price but she would have got but damn close because they're certainly not getting the price you would want yeah you're not yeah mm-hmm. exactly you're not getting their full weight at at, at auction in spring you know, that's something summer. that had a piss poor margin oh yeah well and i mean i talked to feeders like when covid was like really bad um uh just everything was shut down, right? And uh, Cargill was in the news for all the wrong reasons um, early on in the pandemic. And, you know, the plant was shut down. Like there's two meat packers, there's two processors in Alberta, right? Like this is the downside of consolidation, right? It's like the packers shut down. There's no place to send your cows. So you've got these animals who are ready to go to slaughter and then the processor shut down. So you have no choice but to just keep feeding these animals, which literally just you're just wasting money. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, and or, so you're spending. Start butchering them yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess you know you know, you know those BC <laughs> oh, fruit trucks just, you see on the side. With the throw up an abattoir. Yeah, yeah. ranchers <laughs> out there like beef yeah. truck prime steaks and a freezer on the highway. That's our ticket out, guys. Oh, I like Alberta the uh, beef the, trucks. The butcher your own, like pick your own fruit. Is go out yeah. in the herd and pick your own cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roadside oh, they're beef. cutting them up while they're yeah. standing there in the field. Can Bring I have half a bushel shift. of cow? Bring <laughs> <your own shift. laughs> <laughs> 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 Most inhumane <laughs> operation ever. Yeah. <laughs> got these city guys out there. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, With butter knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. The gas is just coming out. When I was uh, younger, we had family friends that were farming. They had older John Deere equipment, and they couldn't afford the new implementation cost to get to this new stuff. So they converted all of their property, which was not enough, but all of it to ranching. And mm-hmm. ever since then, it's just been, like you said, the, the cutting edge of everything of the, they, they weren't making it in the farming world. And now they're really not making it in the ranching world with the, the, the tight, tight uh, margins that you have on cows. But what is the margin on a cow? Do you have any idea? Like, you know what? I, we were guessing. And like when we were chatting just between yourselves, it was, you're going to make like a hundred bucks on a cow. And so like as the, as the, as the rancher, as the rancher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not, I don't think it, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's great. I just like, if you sell a cow for 2000 bucks and your input costs are 1300 plus vet bills and all the other crud, like, man, you just like, there's just nothing there and mm-hmm. you got to keep a property running. And so you have, even at 200 head of cows, that's, that's like 20 grand. Yeah. I think like you got to do it like our neighbors, like the Smiths do, right? Where you run in like thousands of acres, 800 head, and they're grazing the whole time. And then you ship them off. And that's where your margins come with. And like, I don't know anything. So Trevor, correct me or I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure your margins come into play there when you've got like oh, that much. Total on scale. But how do you afford the thousands of acres unless it's you're lucky enough you have to, to lease it? it. You're, yeah, yeah, you're leasing, leasing it from the government. No, you would just, you would, it wouldn't be from the government, but you would just, you would, uh, you would rent it from like another farmer. Yeah. But there are yeah. government, there are government leases out there. Yeah. Like the, the property yes. west of mine, right? Is yeah. County land. Yeah. Um, a lot of it though would just be that you would just rent it perhaps from another landowner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could get you a number. I will get you a number on that after the fact. Um, but it's it's not big. Like, I want to say it's like a couple hundred bucks a cow. Yeah, yeah it's it's almost right. nothing. Like, it's hard to justify the effort it took for the profit you're going to make off that animal. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And like I said, the, the margins, you know, the margins are thin in commodity farming, like just your typical grain farms. But again, they are so tight in livestock production. It's, it's unbelievable. And the supply chain is so fragile. Um, as we saw during COVID, like any little hiccup, um, it is like, it's only negative impacts. Everything has to pretty much be just working perfectly going off without a hitch. And if, if there's any little hiccup, everyone starts to feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, don't you think that's just a little bit bananas though? Like everything you were just saying about like, so whether it's cows or commodity, like it's all agriculture, mm-hmm. right? The point of it is there to feed, whether you're eating meat-based or plant-based, it's still agriculture. The point is like, it's there to feed everyone or we all fucking starve. Mm-hmm. And if it's so fragile that if one of the cogs in the wheel is is a little bit rusty the whole system falls apart and then we're you know your average person is paying 
you know, seven bucks a pound for shitty ground beef and even more for plant-based protein. Like how, how is the, how are people supposed to eat if, if the mechanism and the industry behind eating is not supported? Did you just point black out like there? Foolproof. Because that, that's not the Darren that I know that just said this most intelligent thing. <laughs> it's a new year. I'm turning over a new leaf voice. Did you, did you get ChatGPT? <laughs> did, did you get ChatGPT to write that for you? No, it's down. I am locked out. <laughs> Believe me, I tried. I tried. I tried to. Yeah. So I've been quiet the last little bit. Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, Darren, like that's a brilliant question and, and topic for discussion, right? Because honestly, thank like, you. Thank you. If, uh, you know, we, if, uh, if we didn't, this is my point of view. If we didn't have these, you know, gargantuan, what we call gargantuan size feedlots, uh, the price for ground beef would be $10, $12, (laughs) like, you know, the price, the reason the price is even affordable in the first place is because you have a commercial size system, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I would love, I know a really great, uh, producer out by, well, I guess it's now diamond Valley, not black diamond. Uh, you know, just South, Southwest, Southwest of town. Um, I would love to buy my beef from him. I cannot afford it. No. And, and that is because I'm on a budget and he produces a very niche, high quality product. Fantastic product, great guy. I'd love to buy from him, but I just can't. And the reality mm-hmm. is most people can't. Like 80% of people probably can't buy that beef, right? So yep. they have they have no choice but to, you know, go to superstore or wherever and buy, you know, whatever's there. So it's like, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it, it's really tricky because I think a lot of people would like to have more options beyond just the typical like commercial side of things. But farmers and ranchers, are, that's, that's a premium product, right? They need to be mm-hmm. compensated for that. Absolutely. And so, you know, they have markets, they have niche markets that are established and things like that. But I think by and large, they'll always kind of be niche because not everyone can afford to buy $8 a pound, whatever, but some people can, and they like the taste of it. And it's like, Hey, more power to you. You're supporting other farmers who are growing a quality product and you're paying them what they should be paid for it. Isn't it bonkers that I, I love cabin beer? But here I am sucking on a PC Pilsner. Yeah, yeah. So you can afford beef because <laughs> so I can afford beef. But, but isn't ahead, it bonkers Matt. that we uh, we could buy direct from a farmer, cut out all those middlemen, and it's still more money than buying from superstore? Like so so half the middlemen. So then, isn't it's, the answer just it's, better it's, beef, not more of it? Just eat less beef, but eat good beef. And support the guys that are, you know, sitting on that razor thin margin. And that is a lot of people's mindset. Like, hey, you know what? I would rather eat a good filet mignon once a month than have like three lousy ribeyes. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's that kind of mindset. But 
people want what they want, right? Yeah, that's fair. I would, I honestly, like, I would take three ribeyes because that means I get three ribeyes. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why the system exists. I have, I have a family I got to feed and we've had to cut most beef out of our, our diet just yeah. for the ludicrous cost. And it's now mm-hmm. a steak used to be a normal thing around my place years ago. And now it's, it's literally a treat. You're like, Oh, mm-hmm. we're having steak tonight. They're like, okay. Yeah. Not just I mean, chicken. You're not, or, you're not even having elk steak or, or deer steak because we're terrible hunters. Like you're just, yeah. You're That's having true. a cauliflower yeah. steak. There's one of the other problems <laughs> with our diet. Yeah. yeah. But isn't it we'll sad? Like, I, I was digging through the freezer yesterday, and I found uh, it was like a, a pack. It, it was a single gorgeous-looking ribeye. But it had gotten, like, un, like, I guess I have one of those chest freezers, which are fucking useless because there's just stuff at the bottom that gets destroyed. And it yeah. got the packaging got punctured. So it was, like, freezer burnt. And I was just looking at this ribeye and basically like, like crying brick. as if like someone I had known had just been diagnosed with stage four. And I'm just looking at this ribeye. I'm like, this is like 30 fucking dollars that's, that went into the garbage because someone threw a pack of fucking pizza pops on top of it and punctured the back. Pizza pops. Oh, the worst food to ruin your steak is a pizza pop. Is no, it? No. Oh. No. no. Oh. So, Trevor, I don't know, like, like I said, I don't know if, how, many, how much you dove into this before coming on the show, but this is actually, not only are you our first guest this year, our podcast mm-hmm. season, however, we're going to frame that when it comes out. It's um, got to be seasons. Otherwise, this is our first. sound like a bunch of hats. Yeah, yeah, totally. Seasons make it sound cool. Like we're doing, we're achieving something. Yeah. This is our, this is our first <laughs> guest this season. <laughs> There's so uh, little been achieved. You have no yeah. idea. But this is also our first episode back. So we're just like, we just jumped right in. So we haven't, we haven't done one this year. And we're trying out something new. Okay. Um, and so I, I've, we're going to do a little segment with our guests called uh, Guests to Know You. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, and there's two, parts, there's two parts to this. One's uh, a little bit directed towards your field and things you know, and one is just sort of like general stuff about any of our guests that we want to know. So the first thing I want to kick it off with, and you're going to have to, you know, put yourself out of your head cold brain here for a minute. Um, If you were a cocktail... (laughs) Is that the problem? (laughs) What kind of... What cocktail would you be and why? I could be a cocktail. You know... Uh, my, my love of dairy runs very deep. And so it would be a white Russian. Thank God. They're going to say a paralyzer and I was just going to end it. No. (laughs) (laughs) If if I can find a way to get like milk or cream into something, that's, that's probably going to be a central theme to any topic. Just full Lebowski. (laughs) Hey, that was, that was where I had even first heard of it. And then I tried it for the first time. I was like, why doesn't everyone drink these? That was sort of my first thought. <laughs> my, before my advanced age kicked in and I couldn't handle like most normal foods, my wife and I used to uh, consume massive amounts of white Russians because they're just so good. Yeah. I, yep. I hear that one. It's like um, dairy, but it takes the edge off the day, right? It's... Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
next up, name one brand in your industry or field that you think is just absolutely crushing it and why? Oh my goodness. The, the one company right now, uh, that does such a good job of believe it or not, kind of being a relatable brand is John Deere. Their social media game, uh, which may be a silly thing to say is it's like the blueprint of how to actually have like a human touch on something that is so sterile and a step removed from reality. Um, and also I think their branding is, I mean, they've got the history, but it's phenomenal branding. So, uh, I would, I would have to say John Deere. Blue green. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I'll accept that answer. <laughs> um, as he okay. Googles, what is John Deere? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who is this guy? Who is John? Um, and why does he like Deere so much? Um, so this next one is called uh, L LVS. So, you know, think of it as live, visit, or live vacation and stay the fuck away from. Okay. Um, so out of all the counties in Alberta, mm -hmm. which one would you live in? Which mm -hmm. one would you vacation or visit? And which one would you just say, nope? Okay. I'm just would... you're a journalist and this may fuck your career. But no, no, it's a... no one listens to it. So. Yeah. yeah. No, um, no, they listen yeah. to him, not to us. <laughs> uh, I would... Um, okay, I would say for the live, um, maybe, maybe down in Lethbridge County, or can I, can I give, does it have to be one? Can I say two? Sure. You can do whatever you want. There's no rules. Uh, Mountain View County, um, which hmm. sort of starts around Innisfail and, and then it terminates at Red Deer County, um, especially out to the west of that. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely beautiful on that side of Highway 2 and then going up. So As a general maybe, statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would visit, um, you know, I've, I've never been north of Grand Prairie. Um, I would like to visit, I can't even remember the name of the county. It's called, uh, oh gosh. Oh, this piece is up north of GP. It's no, it's oh, actually, yeah, I've I've been up to the piece before. It's uh, there's a couple areas. There's a it's a it's called a like a dark area. It's by Fort McMurray, and it's a designated dark space, which basically means oh, it's like yeah, it can't be developed, and there's like no light pollution anywhere, and it's a massive yeah. provincial park. There's Is that all Wood sorts Buffalo? You talking about Wood Buffalo it's, area? It might even be inside Wood Buffalo. But it's near, um, yeah, I know the, I know the area you're talking about. Yeah. This is a terrible description. So but I'd love to visit no, there because no. I haven't been, and then uh, I would absolutely stay away from Rocky View <laughs> County, uh, which surrounds Calgary. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, that's that's Matt's playing. So yeah, I, I totally agree. Oh, it Do is, you have? Oh. Uh, just, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's the biggest county in Alberta. And it's like a horseshoe around the city. Like it goes from Bragg Creek and then basically like almost to like Acme. 
Like, it's ridiculous. It should be, like, three counties, and it's also terrible. It's just so overdeveloped and, and ruined. <laughs> Eat shit, Rocky View County. You're, you're listening. Ruined. Yeah. Blown out Which you're not, sock of a but... county. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I I completely concur on your Rocky View County. Uh, it's it's the the number of people that live there don't deserve to live there, with the exception of cash. So they've bought their way into the count into the country. They've implemented rules which have basically, for a lot of the part, destroyed the country aspect. It's now just a a suburban acreage, and uh, yeah. uh, and a distribution center for tons of businesses. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh, so yeah. gross. Isn't isn't that yeah. where your where your distillery friends are? <laughs> Who? Uh, Eau Claire? Is, yeah. No, they're is the it, other way. They're south. That's Rocky View still. No, no that's, Foothill. that's Foothills. That's Foothills. Yes, you're right. So they're okay. All right. Yeah. No, I would say Trevor doesn't associate with anybody in Rocky View. He knows no, better. No way. No way. I would say Foothills <laughs> is also almost as bad as Rocky View. It's getting there. In, in the, my same predispositions. <laughs> um, right on. So the, the last part I guessed to know you. Maybe we'll add sound effects. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> like the sad trombone. It's <laughs> uh, implied. It's just some trivia. So we've geared this a little bit towards you. The first bit's oh, just around some, some rural slang and then oh. around some farming. So, oh, slang. Thinking about rural slang and use it in a sentence. Oh, boy. What is a. This is, what this is, is a easy rip? for the journalist. Yeah. What is what? What is a rip? A rip. Oh, boy. I would say uh, a rip is just getting in the truck and going for a rip. You betcha. I would, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fucking that damn. seemed too simple. I was like, is this like a technical term? I don't yeah. get no. Like, no, this uh, is like, we just do like ATV stuff. We're going for a rip. All right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to put in, like, tear, but then I'm like, maybe we could get into birthing stuff, and no one wants to talk about that. Yeah, mm. We're in animal husbandry. We yeah. don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, what does twist some nuts mean? Uh, you're going to change a tire or you're at a branding? <laughs> oh, the branding's a nice angle on it. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's not where we were going with that, but yeah. Brand, okay, explain the branding one. Use it in a sentence. Uh, why don't you come to my branding and we'll twist some nuts. <laughs> oh. Sold. You have your nuts. You're taking them off? <laughs> that poor calf. Okay, yeah. well, that's, yeah, all right. I'll accept that, but that's not where we were going. The, okay. I'll, I'll give it to you in a sentence, like, uh, Oh, yeah, there's just some fresh snow, and I got off work, so I figured I'd get in the truck and twist some nuts before I go home. But what do the nuts represent? Donuts. Oh, man. You, you know, you should have said it's apostrophe N-U-T-S. That would have changed my whole answer. Oh, I forgot <laughs> I was talking to the guy that knows language and writing. <laughs> With right. our chat GPT. Yeah. <laughs> what does... And use it in a sentence. Oh, what does chuchin mean? Chuchin? Yeah. 
Oh man, it sounds like you're gonna smoke something. I've never heard this word before. Oh, it's my favorite word. It's it's Matt's word. I had a long day at work and uh, the wife was really giving me the gears. So I went outside and I just started chooching for a couple hours. I I don't know. I I think that works. probably way up. It it, it totally works. That 100% works right on. Um, Okay, this is testing knowledge in the field. How many acres are in a hectare? 2.46. Holy shit. Or 2.64. Yeah. Two point six four, yeah. What what's a clod hopper? Uh isn't that a candy? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I, I think he's right. Yeah. That is a con- thinking, isn't that right. confectionary? <laughs> no, they're like heavy work boots used by yeah. the uh, farming it's community. A, yeah, clearly like cl- shoes, right? Yeah. No, he, kind of thing. He, he wins because it is a candy. Yeah, it is a candy too, for sure. <laughs> okay. And uh, what what is a harrow and what's it used for? Sorry, say that again. What is a harrow and what's it used for? A harrow is used in the field and it's used to cut it up, I guess. Is that acceptable? The harrow, you go in and break up the land with your harrows, your heavy harrows. and Yeah. Yeah, you'd see them, well, not too much in Alberta, but you'd see them in other other places. Yeah, you're bringing up the land or you're, or you're using it on a, if you're running cows, you're breaking up cow shit. To, yeah. yeah. Uh, you wouldn't see it too much in Alberta because most farmers just fight for moisture. And so <laughs> if you're ripping up your land, that would imply that you might have too much moisture, which is... Some some farmers would, but not too often. Oh, they're, they're just out getting... there spitting on the fields. <laughs> oh man! Just all the other farmers are like, "Look at that motherfucker out there showing off his moisture by harrowing." What an asshole! <laughs> oh, totally. On where where your guys's uh, properties are, people get moisture, but then it's almost like Highway Two is a magical dividing line where once you get in to the to the east, it's like people would just beg. They yeah. would they would cut off their arm for a little bit of moisture. It's kind of crazy, actually, if you look at like weather maps and things like that. Totally, like yeah, the like, microclimates and everything. Even oh, within a, time. a county itself is bananas. Mm-hmm. Well, you you won at uh, guest to know you. So awesome! Congratulations. I mean, How you did you come up with the phrase "guest to know you"? Is that is that a pun that I'm not understanding because of my head cold. Uh, uh, get to know you, but yeah, guess. get to know you, but guest to know you. Okay. Yeah. Didn't. It's just like a real bad dad pun. Hey, I'm well, going to change that now because <laughs> I am a dad, fun. so I'm going to have to add that to my repertoire. I'll see if my kids get that one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. This has been. Yeah, man. Oh, it's good to see you again, too. It's been a while. So. Absolutely. And it's nice to meet you guys, Matt and Darren. And, uh, yeah, pleasure. Hopefully. Hopefully I didn't uh, just tell blatant lies for an hour and no one's the wiser. We'll never know. <laughs> no, nobody yeah. wise listens to this. <laughs> nobody nobody will ever know. It's good. Also, Matt, I meant to ask, like, are you broadcasting from, like, inside a yurt? Like, where are you? <laughs> It's my, it's my ghetto basement. So you're looking at my wall. 
And uh, I just this have... might be the intro clip to the episode. Are you <laughs> from a fucking yurt? <laughs> yep, it's my yurt, and uh, I'm 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 surrounded by skins and my my furred animals that I've cleaned. So okay, it's almost eleven o'clock. We got to wrap this up. Yeah. We got to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jared's um... falling asleep. I've gone out of focus, and uh, yeah. yeah, wheels are falling off. <laughs> Trevor, way, Trevor, way over budget here. Uh, thank, way over budget. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, hey, my pleasure. Been, yeah, man. Uh, insightful and incredible. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for your time and your knowledge yeah. and uh, your insight. Yeah. Hey, no problem. It was good to see you, man. Yeah. You thank you very much. So long. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, care, bro. Guys. Bye. Okay. Bye. That guy's a jam. I did not know he was in. Calgary. I thought he moved out to where he was working. I guess when he had that rural newspaper job, I just never really kept up with him. Real insight into like the agriculture community. Agriculture community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's actually working in it. Yeah, um, which I think it maybe is something we were missing, which is good. Like we've got a little bit of grounding there. Good first episode back. Um, if you were listening, which nobody was, thank you. And uh, stay tuned for more cool people. And as usual, friends, keep uh, chooching. Keep on chooching. Hey, nobody. Don't forget to check out mutteringpines.com for our line of apparel and follow us on social and anywhere you listen to or watch your favorite podcasts. And remember, keep on chooching. <laughs>